What's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to the Business and Investing Podcast. Listen, so we had a fantastic Infinite Banking Podcast a few weeks ago with DeAndre. And by way of your feedback, we wanted to get get DeAndre. And uh, you guys requested my man Reggie Briscoe as well. So we're going to talk to both of these guys today, and we're going to tie in um, the infinite banking with the HELOC strategy today. We're going to talk about that in full detail. And we're going to see how that ties into real estate as well, which is exactly what you guys are looking to do. This is a wealth generating podcast. It's a wealth strategy we're talking about. It's a passive income strategy. It's a put money in your pocket strategy. And that's exactly what we're going to get into today. People need to hear this information. So, in order for them to hear this information, we need your support on this channel. We need your support on this video. You gotta like this video. You gotta share this video with everybody you know. You gotta comment. That's the only way YouTube is gonna pick this video up. And uh, don't be selfish. We're not being selfish with this information, so we don't want you to be selfish. We need you to like this video and push it out and tell more people about this strategy because this is definitely a life-changing strategy. So without further ado, let's welcome my good friends, DeAndre and my brother Reggie Briscoe to the call. What's up, man? What's happening? Doing, What's man? happening? How you doing, man? Doing good, man. So look, DeAndre, I know you were on the last episode with me. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Just to recap for those who didn't see that episode. So, you know, as I was bringing out, you know, I'm an insurance agent, broker for two different firms, manager, uh, and have been doing that for the last seven to eight years. The cool part about why I got into what I was doing was just the overwhelming amount of appointments that I was having in reference to dealing with teachers in the school system and just learning about them always wanting access to money. So that's kind of what piqued my interest in trying to figure out whether there are different ways to be able to do this to, to help them to figure out how to fix these little quirks of, yes, I, I want to invest, but life happens. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I just tried to figure out, okay, well, what happens when life happens? And so that's how we got to this point right here. Cool, cool, man. Now, you guys knew DeAndre from the last video. Um, I want you guys to get to know Reggie Briscoe. Now, remember in the last video, we talked about Reggie a little bit. He was able to pay off, what, two houses in three years? Yep. Two houses yep. in three years. I know you guys want to hear that. I, <laughs> that's a fact, right? So we're going to talk about how he did that, but why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man? Well, I've been a technology consultant for a lot of the major computer firms for over 40 years. I know I look young. Well, <laughs> but I've been doing that for a while. That's my real job, my main job. But in these latter years, I've been spending a lot of time learning how to leverage my money because, of course, in the early years, I didn't save like I needed to. So later on, it's like, okay, what can help me? Real estate, right? But I didn't have any funds to do anything. Gotcha. So then I had to do something, and I came across uh, the HELOC strategy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But that HELOC strategy and having a HELOC or home equity line of credit uh, saved me. I didn't want to take my mortgage into my 60s, mm -hmm. especially after retirement. But right now, I'm in a position where I don't have to worry about that. Five years ago, 
I was in a lot worse position. So let's put that in perspective. So you're approaching 60 years old five years ago. Yeah. We we telling your age right now. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so you're you're 59 years old. You still got more a mortgage on your house. Right. And because I know the story a little bit, but right. so. You're approaching 60. You didn't want the mortgage anymore. You still had a mortgage. Still had it. And you were able to pay it off in three years. I actually had two mortgages. Two I, mortgages. I used to live in Baltimore, uh, and uh, I had my home that I've, that I've had for like like 25 years. Mm-hmm. And refinance, refinance, refinance. Uh, never pay off, never pay off, never pay off. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the way that goes. Not knowing how the system was working me. Right? Mm-hmm. Then, and that was those regular mortgages, just refinance into a new mortgage. Of course, you lose your time and your investment every time you do that. But when I came down here, I came down here for personal reasons, and I had to buy another home. I bought another home. Uh, I rented that one out up there. Uh, it was carrying itself sort of, kind of, you know. Uh, but I still had the mortgage here. And now I was going, I was 59. <laughs> And having two mortgages that were going to kill me, in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to, yeah, I was going to retire and go to my grave having two mortgages, and it was just not something I wanted to do. And you didn't want that, man. So you did something about it, and that's exactly what we're going to figure out today. So if you approaching sixty years old, if you're forty years old, and I'm forty one, if you're DeAndre's age, he's in his mid thirties. It doesn't matter what your age is. The whole point is this can be done, and we're going to talk about that strategy today. Now, just to give everybody a brief overview of what we talked about with the infinite banking, mm-hmm. um, let me tie this in real quick. So so basically, what, what you're going to do with the infinite banking strategy and the HELOC strategy, you know what, why don't we talk about the infinite banking first, and then I'll tie it all in all right. later. <laughs> No problem, no problem, no problem. So, uh, you know, if you watched the last podcast for sure, you definitely want to check that out. I get a pretty, uh, pretty detailed in reference to it. But the reason why you're going into an infinite banking policy, and I, I can't stress this enough, is because you want access to capital to do something with to earn more money. Right. Um, so if you don't take anything away from understanding why you're doing infinite banking take that away from it uh because there's many people who get excited about liquidity but liquidity means nothing unless you use it to increase your own value that's right um you know you just have a lot of money (laughs) it doesn't do anything for you so uh we want to make sure that that's clear first And and the way that we're achieving that is through obviously a mutually owned life insurance policy uh, that is high cash, low death benefit. And we're combining that with the aspect of actually taking the expenses out of the policy. So we make it a 90-10. So one of the things I didn't touch on too much in reference to that 90-10 or why it's structured that way is because of what they call paid up additions. So paid up additions, and this this is a easy way to explain it, but a lot of people have no idea that a whole life insurance policy can even do this. But in essence, what it does is it takes the policy and it says instead of diverting the payment to base premium or to the cost of my regular life insurance, I'm going to purchase 
term insurance inside of the whole policy. And that's how it boosts up uh, to, to lead to the regulations and being able to fall in the right place. So it gives you a great death benefit while also being able to supercharge the banking function because mm. it took away the insurance costs away from it. So um, a lot of people are not even aware that that happened. So, you know, I touched a lot on buy term investor difference on our last podcast. And a lot of people don't even know you can buy term inside of your own whole policy. And that's really what infinite banking is doing. So it's lowering the cost of insurance so that the banking portion of it is the heavy part of that policy. And so um, with that being said, now you're banking and you're seeing the money in the first year instead of it happening in the seventh year. And you're also being able to take loans against that while the original amount that's there continues to grow via interest, via dividends. Um, so the reason why those dividends are paying out is obviously because of performance of the company. And a lot of people say, well, you know, we've heard some aspects about whole life dividends, and I didn't touch on it on the last one, but I really want to make this clear. Some say that whole life is where the insurance company makes the most money. I am here to kind of give you guys some clarity on that. <laughs> when you purchase a term insurance policy, the metrics are 99% of the time they do not pay out. So how is it that a whole life is where they make the most money? If 99% of the time you purchase a term, it doesn't pay out. So once people understand that, it's like, okay, well, I've been told to buy term and invest the difference. So you you start to translate that and say, well, hold on, I'm being told to buy something that there's a 99% chance I'm never going to never going to get the money back. Right. And so this infinite banking, what it does is it says, okay, we don't mind you buying term, but buy term inside of this so that you can save actual money and allow it to grow so that you have access to capital. Right. And your loans, whether it be 5 to 8%, which is kind of industry average, it's charged on an annual basis. So it doesn't compound from month to month. That's what makes the loan so attractive uh, in comparison to others. And then the beautiful part of that is if you pay the interest on the loan, the loan doesn't default, and if you die, the loan is paid for by the insurance company and your family gets the rest of the death benefit, which is significantly higher than- It's in multiples, right. So how does, how much money do you need to start up something like this? So that's a good question. Um, typically there's, there's really no, no specific metric on the amount of money that you need to start it up. There's different insurance companies, different mutual companies, depending on how they're rated, so on and so forth. Some have more money than others. And so they will allow a 90-10 at a lower level of contributions. You can always add into it yeah. as so, time goes on. Yeah, there's there's definitely customization. So there's ways to say, okay. So for example, let's say somebody had 10 grand. Right. And they just wanted to get started with something like this. Could they do it? Of course. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, the cool part that I really like is the customization aspect so it's possible for you to say okay i want to put 10 grand into it but i don't want to be held responsible for 10 grand every year 
You could actually do that with some policies. You could say, okay, I need my base premium to be about two thousand, but I want to be able to put ten thousand in there if I want if I want to sock extra money in there. So there's policies that allow you to do that, and that's what allows you to say, okay, I'm not going to lapse because I can always kind of change the metrics on it. Okay, so what, I mean, what what what's the benefit of putting more than ten grand in there? So the benefit of putting... Or even less, even less. Okay, okay. so the benefit of putting more or less, um, really what you're dealing with is either way, if it's structured as a 90-10, every premium, technically you have 90% access to whatever you put in there. So if we can kind of understand that, it takes it from a cost and value conversation, right? Most people say, well, well how much do I have to spend and really, I shift the conversation to how much do you want to save? Right. Like, that's how much money do you want to have access to and when do you want it? That's how we descri- describe when, you know, what type of premium goes into it. So, for example, if somebody had $10,000 to put down on a house today, right? They put the ten grand into the policy and they get nine grand back out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they can use the nine grand to invest. Mm-hmm versus using the actual money. They're borrowing the money back out against the the policy in order to be able to do that. And you still got your money sitting And you still have the cash value. So the cash value, the original 10,000, well really, because it's a 90-10, the original 9,000 is still gaining the dividends, is still gaining the interest. Powerful. Right? And so the easiest way to think about it, once again, is it's a banking function. Right. So when you go to the bank, and you deposit your money, they are receiving a loan from you. But what do they do with that money? Well, they loan it back out. Right. They loan it back out and they get interest on those loans, right? So it's the same concept, but it's just you taking control over it. So I, the easiest way to explain why it's beneficial is that I'm not telling you to do what the bank tells you to do. Do what the bank does. And at the end of the day, you really, you're doing exactly what the bank does. You're doing exactly what the bank does. But you're really borrowing money from yourself. That's it. That's it. So why borrow money from the bank and get, you know, have all the headaches, paperwork, you know, higher interest rates that you're not benefiting from? Your borrow debt, it from yourself. Your debt to income ratio becoming all worse. I mean, you know, when you're borrowing from your insurance policy, there is no degree of reporting to a bureau. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. So you don't have to worry about your credit score changing because you have more debt out or right. anything. Um, so there's many different benefits, you know, from borrowing some, from somebody who doesn't have to report this and report that to another entity. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this until the next segment, but I'm going I'm to just plant the seed for you guys. Think about it like this. Let's say you want to get started in real estate and, you know, I, let's say you have $50,000, all right? Let's say you got... Let's, let's make it a nice round number, $100,000 instead of fifty. You got $100,000, you put that into a policy, you, uh, you're able to pull out $90,000 of that money, and if you didn't want to invest actively in real estate, you can invest passively. Uh, a good way to do that, let's say you link up with somebody like me, who's an experienced real estate investor, and you become a private lender for somebody like me, your money stays in the policy. 
But now what you're doing is you're borrowing against that policy. You have $90,000 that you can pull out, again, using that $100,000 as an example, to lend to an investor like myself, and your money is not being touched. You still get the benefits of your money sitting in that account. And on top of that, you get the profit off of the, the, the borrowed money that you took out. So if you, if you, let's say, partnered up with somebody like me as a real estate investor, as a private lender, I take the $90,000 and I multiply it for you. You take the profits and you keep building up your policy. And this is tax-free because it's a loan. Tax-free because it's a loan. Man, you can't. <laughs> That's killer. That's killer. So this all ties into the HELOC strategy. Now, there's a couple of different things I want to mention about the HELOC. And this is what I was going to mention before. And I said, let me let me kind of summarize it for you. But this is what I wanted to mention. Just to give you guys a, a, a simplified overview of what we're about to talk about. So with a HELOC, if you, got a, if you got a house and you take out a HELOC, you can use the HELOC to fund the infinite banking policy. But... And, and I know where Reggie is going with this. You can replace your mortgage. You can replace your mortgage, the existing 30-year mortgage. Most people got a 30-year mortgage. You know, if you got a 15-year mortgage, I'm just talking in, in uh, general terms right now. But you can replace your mortgage with a HELOC. And all of the interest that you would normally pay to the bank is now flip-flop. You, when you get a HELOC, you're going to pay more towards the principal. And you're gonna be able to pay your mortgages mortgages down a lot quicker. Now you gotta find small local banks to be able to do this, and that's exactly what we're gonna talk about. But the whole the whole point is instead of you getting a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, you replace it with a HELOC, and now you live off of the HELOC money. So how, how, how let's talk about what a HELOC is, and then we'll tie it all in, man. Okay, all right. HELOC. It's an acronym. Mm-hmm. H E L C O. Home equity line of credit, right? That's right. So that's what it means, right? But what does that really work out to be? It's it's a loan, but it doesn't function like a mortgage functions. It can replace, just like you said, it can replace your mortgage. And it really allows you to see or to leverage your money in a better way than the standard way. Right. Normally, as the Andre mentioned, we lend in a sense our paychecks to the bank and we think that they're just holding it for us and they give us maybe half a percent a percent less than two percent and so but they turn around now for every dollar that we leave there they make eight ten some even fifteen dollars on our money and pay you the pennies and pay you the pennies the banks should be shot for that <laughs> <laughs> all of them because they function just that way right there are some advantages. He called it anarchy out here. <laughs> we, 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 we do not support violence on this podcast. <laughs> but I'm just saying, but that's when you change your mindset as to what, as to what you're doing with your money, mm-hmm. let's compound the problem. Now they're forcing you when you get a mortgage at that bank. And let me just correct a little bit something about what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, did you have to go to small banks? A lot of the smaller banks and the credit unions are flexible, and they do do it. But there are a number of large banks yeah, that, that also do that. That's why you got to have friends that know what they're talking about. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's okay. So, so, you know, if you had a major lender, 
real quick. If you the smartest person out of the group, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Always try to try not to be the smartest person in the room. That's true. That's how you learn. There you go. All right. So the bank forces you to seg segregate your money when you have a mortgage. And the mortgage, you like this point, right? Mm -hmm. It's a death pledge, right? Yeah. Mortgage. Yeah. That's what the MORT. Mortgage, mortuary, mm -hmm. mortician, whatever. It's a problem mm -hmm. because really you're saying that you're going to sign to pay all the payments for 30 years, probably. Uh, and if you don't, then, you know, your life is kind of involved. It's, mm -hmm. it's a place to do that. Right. But they really get the advantage of it because... A mortgage is amortized. I don't know if you know what that term is, but it just means that they they pay us. You sign up on your signed documents that you're going to pay a certain amount of money each month, and you think it's well, I'm just paying it off. Mm -hmm. But the way they have it worked out, are oh, they going to make all their money for 17 years? I think it's, I think it's uh, I think it starts to flip flop 16, 17 years 16 in. 16 to 17, exactly point. But here's here's what they don't tell you, right now. You're going along and you're paying like 90% towards the interest and 10% of your money will go toward the principal right at the beginning. So let's stop right there for a second. Just so you guys understand what we're talking about. We're talking about mortgage amortization. Majority, let's say this is your mortgage. Mm -hmm. This is how much principal, meaning you're paying, this is how much you're paying towards paying off the house mm -hmm. in the beginning. This is how much money is going to the bank in the beginning. In Over time, it does this, and eventually it flip-flops. It takes like seven, 17, years 17 years where you start to pay more towards your principal. So really, you're paying off your house in 13 years. The first 17 years, you're giving the bank all of that interest. Right. That's how it works. That's if you keep it for 30 years. Right. But here's the thing that the banks don't tell you. Statistics show most people within the five to seven year period, they move. They, move. Yeah. they sell their house. They, they get a new home. job. Yep. The house is too small. They got children. You know, like, you mm -hmm. know, you got yep. something coming, right? <laughs> so, so that's what's happening. And so now know that you know, they're getting 90%. For the first five, you know, maybe you get down like eighty percent after five years. Mm -hmm. Sell the house, and guess you what? You start all over. Again. It starts all over again. So you never get again. down to the seventeen. Yep. Not unless, like a few people, few people mm -hmm. that keep that mortgage for thirty years, and they are happy, mm -hmm. and they got one house, no investments, no backup. It's really not a smart way to use your money. But I had to learn that. Right. Took me. 59 years to be <laughs> <laughs> So that's what, so how does all of this tie into the HELOC? So um, just so you guys, for clarity, when you go, let's say you got equity in a home. Let's say that your house is worth, you know, over the last couple of years, everybody's got equity in their home right now, right? Let's say that you bought a home five years ago and it doubled in value. Let's say you paid 200,000, now you got a $400,000 house. Right, that two hundred thousand dollars is equity. So you mm -hmm. owe two hundred to the bank, probably less because you had the house for five years. So you owe one eighty, and then you got another two hundred thousand dollars in in uh, appreciation. That becomes equity. So now you got two hundred twenty thousand dollars in equity in your home. Equity 
can be looked at in two different ways. It can be looked at as uh, dead money or it can be looked at as um, an opportunity mm. as well, right? So when it comes to uh, that, let's say, again, $400,000 home, you could do what's called a refi cash out and pull out up to 80% of that money. So uh, four times eight, that's $320,000, which will pay off your original mortgage and then the difference goes to you. So in this case, it'll be $140,000, considering you have $180,000 left on your mortgage, right? So you can take the $180,000, or you can do you can pull out the you can pull out what's called a HELOC, and rather than you paying off the original mortgage, you can borrow against the equity that's in the house, home equity line of credit. Another thing you could do is replace the mortgage with. You can completely replace the mortgage with a HELOC. Why don't we talk about that? That's very interesting because the home equity line of credit allows you to be able to do exactly what you talked about with reference to paying off or replacing that mortgage, which is, is so very important because when you go into a line of credit, then the way they calculate the interest changes. Yep. It's not amortized anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happens is that you get charged the interest on the daily balance, the average daily balance per month or whatever, or per two weeks, whatever the case is. So, and that's all the interest that you pay. So in a full 30-year mortgage on a $250,000 home, you might end up paying something like $180,000 mm -hmm. or more. I don't know why I didn't turn this off. No, that's fine. <laughs> that shows his age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the music. Okay. I started talking about how you could pay, or oh, how over the life of a 30-year mortgage, you may end up paying almost $200,000, you know, just in interest. Mm -hmm. Every time you sign a, a loan document or whatever, you have the declaration page on the front. Mm -hmm. Second page, number two, you typically have called a statement called truth in lending. Mm -hmm. And truth in lending is saying, okay, this house is worth 250000 but you're going to pay 475, 475 for the whole thing. They're going to charge you two to three times the yeah. money. Right, yeah. at least, right. So, and all that other money is money made for someone else. You mm -hmm. buy your house at the same time you buying the bank a house in a sense, right? right. Mm. And you know what? It ain't even fair because they buy the house. So you paying, paying for two houses? You're paying for two houses, but and the bank is getting their house, but they get their house first. Right. You get your house last. Right. How right is that? That's just wrong. Yeah, man. So anyway. So how does so how does the HELOC? So so we understand the HELOC strategy. And just for clarification, again, you know, there's multiple ways to use a HELOC. Think of a HELOC like a credit card on your house. Exactly. Right. So you can you can use the money. It's like a revolving line of credit yeah. and you can pay it down. Yeah. And when you pay it down, it frees up the money that you used up. It's the same exact thing. Right. Yeah. So if you go out and you get a HELOC against your house today, the, using a traditional way, like a refi cash out. Let's say you pull out a hundred grand out of your house. Um, you're basically taking a line of credit against your house, and you can use the line of credit, make some money. Let's say you had a quick flip you wanted to do, and then pay the HELOC back off 
and then you don't owe anything. So you keep your original mortgage payment that you already had, and then you pay interest on the HELOC as you use it, if that makes sense, yeah. right? So that's exactly how you're gonna do it. But when you're talking about replacing your mortgage, how did you do that in three years? What happened was I uh, was able to actually, uh, I came across some training that helped me to really understand all the moving pieces of it. I've also seen other, other people you know, have similar things. The thing is that once you get a HELOC, and it's a refile possibly, you can also purchase a home on it, but as a refile, they actually replace the mortgage loan with the HELOC. Mm -hmm. And then you can just use that line of credit to pay off the original mortgage, just like you mentioned, also any additional. For me, I was able to roll or consolidate Mm. my two you know, mortgages into one mm -hmm. because I had this particular line of credit. The thing about a line of credit that may be confusing because of the word equity is that people think that you need to, I only got $100,000 worth of equity in this home, not necessarily you should limit it because the loan is on the value of the property. Mm -hmm. not on just the equity in the home. So in my case, I had uh, several hundred thousand of money in or as the value of the property, and I was able to draw out. I didn't have to take it out, but I was able to draw out 90% of that and use it. Well, I, after paying off one full, I was able to pay off one full mortgage mm -hmm within that window right and then i could just work down that at the lower interest rate well let me straighten that out too because loans you know you're talking about loan rates but that's not the only problem that's what the banks sell mm -hmm. they sell low rates and, and they got everybody looking for low rates these low rates are not the only thing that determine how much the interest you'll pay. Right. Time and balance yep. are just as important. Frequency. The HELOC allows you to affect time and balance. And it literally will make the interest rate not matter mm. at all. You could have a higher, an interest rate of six, seven, eight. Using the strategy, you'll pay much less of the interest. Because you're paying it off quicker. Yes. Time. Yes. You're, you're affecting time, and because you have chunks of money to put on it, you're affecting balance. Now, I know that you use the HELOC to support your lifestyle as well. Yeah. Right? So you pay, let's say you're spending five grand a month in bills. You got a telephone bill. You That's got, you know, cell phones and food and all. How did you do that? Well, a line of credit, HELOC, allows you to use the HELOC like a bank. So what I did, I put all my money, all my income, into the HELOC. It's sitting there. So every paycheck that you got, every, paycheck, every bit of income, you put right into the HELOC, yeah. and then you use the HELOC to fund your life. And I'm going to tell you, it probably took and you, about I, and, and three I'm, months, right? Yeah. To get my mind around what am I going to do? But it's really very simple. What I did was I lived off a credit card for 30 days. 
And at the end of the month, I paid off from the HELOC. So hold on. So the money that, so there's a lot of moving parts. I'm getting excited about this, man. So there's a lot going on here, right? So not only are you paying off, you're replacing your mortgage, you're paying off your mortgages with the HELOC, right? But now you have the lifestyle portion of it. You got your paychecks Mm -hmm. going into the line of credit. Are you gaining interest on that money as it goes in, or how 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 does that work? There are no interest, you know. A HELOC is not; it's a loan, Mm -hmm. so all the interest is being made on it is by the bank, but it's less than what you would be paying on a mortgage, and also because you can consolidate all your bills. You can consolidate your car, your lifestyle, your your loans, your educational loans, you know, whatever they are, they all be paid from this one account. And so, so in essence, what it's doing, you, you have one payment to make. One payment. And I, oh man. You see, you so see, life just becomes that much easier for you. Yes, and the beauty of it is that, let's say if you got a line of credit, right? And you were able to get it, what's called a, a, an a, a interest only, line of credit the interest only is beautiful you know why because they're only going to charge you the interest against that the money that you use the money that you use yep. and you know what let's say that you have to move lose your job uh need to save up for something else for an interest only that interest only on on that kind of a loan may only be seven or eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. wow and the beauty of it is that you could take the money from the HELOC and pay the interest. You could pay the bank with their own yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? So if I lost my job and I have a line of credit. Now, if I had a mortgage, after a couple of months, they're going to come and take my house yeah. because I'm in default. Right. Right? Well, if a line of credit with a uh, you know, with interest only, let's say I can't afford to pay the 700 because I don't have it coming in. Take it from the line of credit. It's not a credit. Yeah. Pay them with their own money. That can go on for as long as I need it. Right. Right? What a backup plan. Fantastic, man. So what type of credit scores does a person need? What what should a person have access to in order to be able to get a HELOC? They should have, well, I'll just say, if a person has learned to be responsible with money, then he probably have everything that they need. Mm-hmm. That's in general. Right. But your credit scores, uh, you know, 650, 6, mm-hmm. 680 are probably on the low end. Mm-hmm. Sevens are good. Mm-hmm. Anything in the sevens, but the higher sevens are better. You'll get the better rates, whatever. But, you know. Got it. So you can actually replace your mortgage if you have as little as a 650 credit score. Yeah. Replace your mortgage. You got to go to the right banks right. in order to be able to do this. Yeah, there's, there's few banks that will work that low. Some that won't even even require that because they'll kind of analyze you with their own mm-hmm. their own criteria. Mm-hmm. But if you have if you're in the seven hundreds, then you're pretty much good yeah. to go. And that's seven hundreds middle score, right? Your FICO got to be about a seven hundred, but you can get it can be as low as six fifty, but it'll be harder to find banks that'll that'll yes. work that. Yes, 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 cool. yes, yes. yes. So with that being said, man, how how does all of this tie in 
when you when you're talking about infinite banking mm-hmm. and using a HELOC strategy, DeAndre. So I mean, uh, the cool thing about the HELOC strategy um, that I really like because I started with infinite banking from a saving and consolidating debt side. So when I heard Briscoe's story, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, well, let me get out of here. Because you know my my programs, I can systematically print out, give you all types of Excel spreadsheets of when things will be paid off, so on and so forth. Um, but usually, I was averaging about ten to eleven years as a payoff of everything, including your mortgage. So I was just like, hold on, you paid off two in in three years. I need to. I, I need to figure out how we can, how we can do this. So the the cool part is, you know, usually when it comes to the insurance company, so one thing people need to be aware of is that the insurance company will probably approve you for up to thirty percent as far as a MEC limit. Now that's modified endowment contract, or let's just make it easy. How much money you want in that policy? Mm-hmm. Um, so. So if you're looking at, okay, I want to fund a policy, the insurance company says, what is your income? And we don't want the policy to be more than 30% of your income. Now that could, you know, your income could include your assets. It could include everything. So for all those, uh, all those real estate investors out there, I, I know that you, you lower your tax burden and, and you're like, well, I mean, I don't know, you know. You could put everything that you actually make with the insurance company, including every asset that you have, and that will dictate exactly how much money you could actually gain access to and what type of policy you could set up. So now when you think about that 30%, now you look at something like a HELOC, and I'm pretty sure that typically in order to get a HELOC, just like a mortgage, they usually want you to have three times your you know, it, it needs to be, you need to be making three times more than what the payment needs to be. So, um, you know, there's definitely room for, is almost 30% room for bending uh, for you to be able to have a HELOC, for you to be able to have an infinite banking policy, run it through that and be able to make the money on it because the beautiful thing about the HELOC is that it's access to capital. Um, most people, when they look at an infinite banking policy, the first thing they think of is cost. They say, oh, how much is going to cost? Well, now that can be a lesser conversation if you have access to more capital, especially if you're cash flowing more money through your HELOC. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we look at that, we say, okay, there's definitely wiggle room there for you to be able to say, let me take this aspect of the HELOC but let's take this aspect and actually gain interest on that liquidity that we have now. Um, And the cool part about it is that when you're using a HELOC to pay for the infinite banking policy, guess what will pay for the HELOC when you die? The insurance policy. The insurance policy. So so the insurance policy is always going to be worth significantly more than the property that you live in it if you're using it for this banking purpose. I, I think in, in our example where I just kind of gave you some mock numbers, we looked at the first year, all right, if he funded $100,000, the insurance policy was gonna provide $200,000 for the first year as a projection of a death benefit. But once it actually had $100,000 in there, 
there was 1.496 million the very next year. So is that an asset that you would want your HELOC to pay for? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? And so that, you know, kind of puts it in the context that, okay, if, if something happens, if the, if the ship fails, um, this can already just go ahead and take care of the rest of the cost of that anyways. So just so I'm clear, you're using the HELOC in order to be able to fund the yeah, infinite so, banking policy. So you have two different ways you could do it. You could use the HELOC to fund the infinite banking policy. You can use the HELOC parallel to the infinite banking policy. So if you didn't want to use it to fund it, you certainly could. That would just affect you being able to pay down the particular mortgage quicker, which, you know, if, if I'm right on this uh, and Reggie can correct me, there's no benefit to actually completely paying the HELOC off. Right. Because then you lose the, the tax There's benefits. There's no benefit to being able to pay it off. You lose the tax benefits and you lose the liquidity. Now you would have to sell the home in order to get the money. So you just want to keep so keep the HELOC the, going. This is the ultimate form of infinite banking because what it does is it says, this asset right here, I don't need to pay it off. I don't need to pay off the HELOC. I really don't because I want the money from it to be available to me at all times. So how can I make sure that I don't pay off this asset that gives me the value of my home? I can put it into another asset and gain the interest on it, mm. right? And now that asset, if something happens to me, God forbid, it will pay off the HELOC if that is what is desired. Right. And it's going to be in multiples, and which, it will which be the money is going to go multiples. to your families. Yeah, it will be in multiples back to your family. And so, um, you know, when we realized, you know, after looking at the numbers, it was like, oh, this is an incredible opportunity. <laughs> because, you know, it, you were asking a question about the interest to Reggie. That was the first question I asked him. So do you gain interest on it? You know, because I'm thinking about infinite banking. And... Uh, and then we realize, okay, no, these two can marry each other. Because mm -hmm. uh, insurance usually is married to real estate. It is very much so in tune Absolutely. with real estate. And so this is just another way to make sure that, okay, I want to have access to money in my policy, and I want to have access to money in my HELOC. And even if you listen to some of the nuances of what he was talking about, living off of a credit card, uh, we could even encourage you to get a zero interest for 18 months card or whatnot. If it has rewards, now we are using that same $1 three times. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Right? And so you're gaining the benefits. Oh, you want to go on a flight for free? Oh, yeah, you'll have money for it because you've been flooding your expenses through the credit card and paying it off every month. You got uh, a place, I'm not going to mention, you got some of these vacation places you could go on, vacations for free to these exotic, exotic islands uh, on points because you're flooding, because you're flooding it. I mean, it just funds your entire life. If you guys can kind of see where this is going, man, this is how the rich do it. You know, you got, you mentioned Joe Biden paying himself a salary since 19, what, 85? 84. 84. Paying himself a salary. You sent me an article. Yeah. <laughs> Who was that? It was, a, it was a Jim. I sent you a Jim Harborough. Jim Harborough, he's a football coach. Yeah, football coach, University of Michigan. Uh, his situation, 
instead of opting into the 401k, he opted into having University of Michigan fund his retirement via life insurance. And policy. then it protects the university because protects they get their money back. Yep. They keep their money, actually. Yep. They're borrowing against their... Yep. They, they actually make enough money to split the death benefit in such a way that his family would receive more than And they get all their money had. back. And they would receive every lick of money that they put into it. That's crazy, man. This is such a powerful, powerful tool, powerful strategy. I believe just a little bit of knowledge. That's why we're providing this information for you on this uh, podcast. Just a little bit of information where the majority of the people don't have it. It could change your situation, right? You got to stop thinking conventionally and start thinking outside the box. And this stuff is not really outside the box because the information been around for since before banks were even involved, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, that that's banks. Uh, banks were fund started probably at least a hundred years after life insurance companies. Maybe two hundred years after life insurance companies. It was funny, man. I don't know how many of y'all like. Uh, you remember Back to the Future? Oh yeah. Part three. Yeah, part three. Remember when they was in the 1800s? Oh, yeah. They they show Wells Fargo Bank in back of them, right? And I and I automatically thought about that. I said, life insurance policy has been around before that. Yes, yes. Life insurance. So life insurance companies have been around longer than our social security system. Yeah. Let that sink in, right? Um, and so once you understand, okay, why can a life insurance policy provide the liquidity that it provides? You combine the fact that the number one product that a life insurance policy or a life insurance company sells and that is advertised is term insurance. 99% mm -hmm. of the time they don't have to pay it. Where's the liquid coming from? Where's the liquid coming from? It has to be there, right? Okay. <laughs> it has to be there, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you decide, okay, I want to be a little bit different than most of the people who are deciding I'm just going to do term insurance and try to invest the difference, then you realize that there are people who have been doing this and living their entire life without having to worry about being told no from a bank. Yeah which is kind of big because, you know, if we don't even need to talk about predatory lending. We don't need to talk about if the bank over leveraged itself because we know that the bank oftentimes sells mortgages that it actually can't afford. Right. We can get into a whole bunch of different stuff, but imagine being able to say, I want this and pushing the button and you don't need to be told no. Bro, tons of information on this podcast today. I want to recap. Well, Reggie was talking about how did you pay off your mortgages two houses in three years? How did you do that? Primarily, I was able to get a HELOC on my rental property. Then I was able to use that HELOC to pay off the house I was living in. The one house. The one house. And then you had one mortgage after that. And they had one mortgage after that. And then I threw everything at that, lived off credit cards. And I mean, I, but they were paid off every month so all the interest was low interest my oh and the other good thing is that for what i had out i was paying something like 750 initially mm -hmm. for the interest part mm -hmm. now i was already paying over two thousand dollars in mortgage so you just paid the extra two thousand dollars towards the heloc yeah that's it well, Directly to the principal. That's how you paid it off. And it paid it on down. And it just yeah. ran it down. And then, of course, 
the interest came down because you know because how to calculate the interest after the first year my monthly payment was something like 450 right mm -hmm. required for just for uh, the yeah. interest only after the second year because it's on it only balance. 200 and then you kept paying the two thousand. Kept paying oh, yeah. something. Yeah, I kept yeah. paying everything because Actually, your income counted it's about as a cash payment. Flow. Right. It's income all about cash as a flow. Payment. It's all about cash flow. I had probably and your income counted as a payment. Oh my Income goodness. counts as a payment. That's oh what. my. So for the listeners, I really want you to understand why this is so important. His income counting as a payment. For some of us, we think of well, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about that. What would you rather have access to? Would you rather have access to the value of a house or would you rather have access to your paycheck? Value of a house to me, man. Any day. The reason why we pay off a house is to open up cash flow. The HELOC is doing that before the house, before you need to pay it off. You have cash flow. You got cash flow. You have cash flow. Right? And if you're cash flow positive, you will run that mortgage down. And so it helped me because I was able to then not pay off the HELOC, but take another part of that HELOC and purchase another property. And so now I'm running down my third property right now. Three properties, what's gonna take you about another two years on that one? Well, not with my plan. If I don't do anything else right now, maybe two years. Two years. But if I, my plan is- Paid off quicker. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's, that's incredible, man. So I wanted, to, I wanted you to talk about that for emphasis purposes. We talked about the infinite banking part. We talked about the HELOC part, how it ties in together. I wanted to talk about the real estate part of it, but I think we're gonna save that for the next episode. I don't wanna, there was a lot of information covered on this particular episode. We're gonna tie in the real estate part and how you guys can really capitalize on this opportunity. This is definitely an opportunity that majority of you listening to this can take advantage of. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out part one, I'm gonna make sure I link it in the cards up at the top. I need you to watch that so you get a, a an overview of infinite banking. Then I want you to come back and, and watch this one again. Listen to the HELOC and how it ties into the infinite banking part. Then we're gonna do a third one. And we're gonna talk about the real opportunity that this presents for everybody watching. If you wanna see a third episode where we tie it all in to real estate and how you can present the opportunity, how you can take advantage of the opportunity, I want you to comment opportunity in the comment section and also rock that like button hard. <laughs> rock it hard because this is, this is game changing stuff. It certainly is. Right, opportunity in the comment section and smash the like button. Get them likes up on this video. That's the only way I'm, I can tell if, you, if you're truly interested in this topic. Let's talk about mindset real quick as we wrap this thing up. Mindset is so very, very important to this whole piece. And really, uh, I, I would say that anything people fail in is based on their mindset and behaviors, mm -hmm. lack of discipline. So what we're telling you and and the reason why i think this is so important is as an insurance agent one of the hardest things to see is when a family gets a lump sum of money and the money is gone quickly i mean yeah you set it up for them to make sure everything was taken care of I mean, you're happy that you were able to help them to retrieve a certain amount of money mm -hmm. in case somebody has lost their loved one 
But the hard part is seeing the money disappear. And I, I, I stress this because both of these strategies are opening up to you more access to funds than you ever probably have ever thought you would see at one time. So the mindset that you need to have, the behavior that you need to have, you need to get that right before you even get into it. Most, they, they, they reach out to me, they tell me how much money they got. In fact, I want to thank everybody who has reached out to me since the last podcast. <laughs> I have been very, very busy, have had wonderful conversations with many of you. And the one thing that I want to point out is if you want to have a conversation, that why is more important than anything. Don't get into either of these programs if you don't have a plan. If you need help setting up a plan to figure out what to do with it, we can do that. But don't just, oh my goodness, I could, my house is 500,000, I could get access to, he said 90%. Please don't do that and say I'm gonna go get a Bugatti. Oh man, that's a bad Don't move. do that to just purchase material things. That is how you end up right back broke. Yep. And, you know, from a from an insurance agent standpoint, I deal with financial literacy. I teach it at many different companies, so on and so forth. And the one thing that I oftentimes see is that there are those who will do well with very little as long as they're serious and intentional. And there are those who do terrible with a lot because they ain't serious and they're not intentional. Just kind of give you a, an example of that. You know, I had a, a teacher. She was she was about 36. She was only making $38,000. Now, in this school, I had the principal as my client, many other teachers. Uh, I, I even had some, some guidance counselors. But this teacher who was making 38000 was contributing more to her retirement than all of them. She was contributing $700 a month. When I sat with the principal, the principal said, I don't know what my, I don't know what my check is going to be next month. Can I start off at $75? $75. Now, this is a person who was making $120,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Now, as I looked around the room, I saw Michael Kors purse. I saw this. I saw that. I saw so many different aspects, and I said, so you want to save less than what you got on the table. Mm. You want to save less than the wallet or the purse that you have. That's not going to work. And so... The mindset and the behavior, it has to be serious when you want to do this. For many of you, you may look at your finances and say, I don't have room. And then when you actually look at your bank statement, there's plenty of room when you start looking at where you're spending your money. So you have to do that first. And once again, I, I do budgeting conversations, all types of stuff as well. But I want to highlight this first because I want it to be very serious to you that when you, when you decide to make a decision that can really affect your family, stick to it. Work it through. Don't just have fun. Right. If you want to get, get luxury items, 
get them after you got your assets that pay for the luxury items. Thank you. <laughs> so. Thank you. So, and, that, and that's kind of where we're going to go with the opportunity yeah. part and this whole thing, right? How can you gain assets? And we're going to tie it all into real estate. Real estate, to me, is the best investment vehicle there is when it comes to passive income, assets, and doing what we need to do in order to be able to create that generational wealth. So in part three, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Again, the opportunity in the comment section. I need to know that you guys are interested in this. If not, we won't do it. Um, hit the like button. Make sure you guys subscribe to this channel. Tell everybody you know about this conversation. Everybody needs to hear this. Everybody's going to benefit from this. And look, we're looking to change the game for you guys. We're looking to to really make this as simple as possible. This is information that can be overly complicated with simple, simplifying it so that you can understand exactly what's going on. So let us know in the comment section how you uh, feel about us doing a part three and presenting an opportunity for you to be able to take advantage of all of this. And we're going to see you guys on the next one. Peace.